I am so glad you could join us. I'm your host, Mo Gaudat. This podcast is nothing more than a conversation between two good friends sharing inspiring life stories and perhaps some nuggets of wisdom along the way. This is your invitation to slow down with us. Welcome to Slow Mo. Today we're going to be talking about sophrology. You don't know what sophrology is? Well, neither do I. But my guest today is a friend that I met around a year and a bit ago, right before the lockdown, actually just a couple of days before the lockdown. And uh, she is the expert of the topic. She is a world-leading sophrologist, a best-selling author on the topic, and the founder of Be Sophro, which is a global sophrology platform. So she's probably the best to explain sophrology to us, Dominique Antilio. Dominique specializes in stress management, anxiety reduction, burnout prevention, and the stuff that we all need if you really think about it. Her best-selling book is called The Life-Changing Power of Sophrology, which was really the first widely published book on the topic in English, and now is a leading authority on the subject. She started to focus on sophrology and learn from a very young age in her teens. And when she moved from Switzerland to London, she started a practice that became very successful and shifted her career as a sophrologist. So what is sophrology? From what I've seen online, it's an interesting mix of yoga and meditation and chakras and movement and visualization. And it's Quite interesting, really. Let me not spoil it for you. Let's start our conversation with Dominique so that we give you an overview of this very interesting way of meeting yourself and the world. Dominique Antilio. I am so happy that we met, by the way, at Founders. It's been so long and I am so happy we're talking today because when we spoke then, you spoke about sophrology and I have to admit it really caught my attention and then I haven't done my homework. We can do it together. Exactly. (laughs) I'm probably the typical English-speaking person who doesn't know much about it at all. Okay. As a matter of fact, an observation that I have is that every one of my friends that ever spoken to me about uh, sophrology had a French accent in them. Is that true? Very possible. Yeah. Is it very successful in the French-speaking part of Europe? Yes. Yes, exactly. That's the most successful places in France is where it's really huge. Like it's everywhere. There's like hundreds of schools to become a sophologist. Sophologist is using therapeutic environment, um, sports environment for kids, for corporates. It's even reimbursed by the health insurance, especially in Switzerland. Mm. Yeah. So I come from Switzerland originally. And it's also very popular in Belgium and Spain. And uh, my work has really been to bring this over in, in English and through the book and through my platform and everything I do since like almost eight years now. Um, my passion is really to spread the, the benefits of sophology. Yeah. Cause I think it's such a, a simple and interesting practice and it's such, adapted for modern life 
So let's assume that most of our listeners don't know what we're talking about. So let's start from the beginning. What is sophrology? Why is it successful in Europe? And how did you get into it? All right. So what is sophrology? Yeah. So sophrology, it's a mental well-being practice. It's something you do uh, using your breath, using visualization, using movement and breathing. Yeah. And it can be considered as a meditative practice, but it has an element that is very much geared to help you unlock specific resources that you may need along the way, like your ability to remain calm in certain circumstances, your ability to prepare for an important event like a competition or like um, a speech or an exam, for example. So it has an, a meditative element, but it has also got a productivity or performance element, as well as being a really in-depth philosophy and a practice that if you practice regularly, there's a great depth to sophrology where the overarching aim of the practice is really to find balance, to discover your true self and to, to find your way of being happy and being and thriving in, in the world and in the circumstances you, you are in. Yeah. But it's not an, an ancient thing. This is not like the meditation we get from, you know, Hinduism or Buddhism and so on from thousands of years ago. I, I understand it's recently developed and the founder of sophrology is actually, you studied with him, you say. I don't know if he's still alive and he's in, in Spain. So it's not like an ancient spiritual thing, is it? What is it? It's a, is it a modern method? It's a blend. So Dr. Alfonso Caicedo, he was a neuropsychiatrist. Back in the 60s, he was in a hospital as a young intern in Spain, in Madrid, and he was witnessing the treatment that were given at the time to, that were quite harsh, yeah? So at the time in the 60s, mental health wasn't at all like it is these days, and they, they used to do insulinic comas and electric shock with people. And as a young doctor discovering these methods, he thought there must be a way to help consciousness, to help these patients to feel better in their daily life without having to shake consciousness in such a harsh way. Yeah. So he started to look into that. So he looked into hypnotherapy. He looked into relaxation. He was very interested in phenomenology, which is a branch or psychiatry and also philosophy where you look at things like if it's the first time and you try to let go of all your preconceived idea and be in the moment and go back to the essence of things because you're able to suspend your judgment. Yeah. So he went on a journey meeting very prominent psychiatrists of his time and learned about phenomenology and then then said there's the practicalities of this sophrology that is missing. And his uh, mentor, who was a Swiss uh, psychiatrist, uh, Binz Wanger, he was a very prominent phenomenological psychiatrist. He said, why don't you go to India and Japan and, and try to understand how they do it there, how people who meditate, how people who are practicing yoga can influence consciousness in a positive way. So instead of studying what goes wrong in consciousness, 
why not study how you can make it work better and then apply this this onto someone that is suffering so he spent three years with his wife there and uh, his wife was a yoga teacher and learned a lot and he even met the Dalai Lama and he, he met with very prominent people in the world of meditation and uh, monks and studied that and then from that knowledge which combined movement and breathing technique and even voice technique he came back to madrid and he started to create the first three level of the practice because psychology has got 12 levels so it's a bit like you're going onto a journey and at different time you use different practices and different exercise with different aims and it's almost like he's shown a way to access the infinite possibilities of consciousness by focusing on certain specific aspects of human consciousness and how you can unlock your full potential and bring harmony within consciousness. And that's what the word sophology actually means. It's sos, friend and logos, which is the study of consciousness in harmony. So when you practice, you sense very quickly that something is starting to shift inside you. It's not an analytical process. So you're not trying to reason or analyze why you feel this way or what you should think of that. It's really you're presented with perhaps a problem in your life or perhaps not. You just want to try and see how you can increase your balance in daily life. And you start to practice. And if you repeat that practice for 15 minutes a day, after a few days or a few weeks, you will start to really change that something in your body is calmer, in your mind is calmer, and it will take you where, where your own consciousness is ready to take you. So the journey is very different for everyone because you're becoming your own expert at becoming happy or becoming more confident or becoming, I don't know, being able to sleep better or how you want to manage an issue or how you want to become more creative. Or, and that's what I really like about it. It's like it's giving you a tool. And once you've practiced it a few times, then you can, you can be your own expert. Wow. We have to get into the details of some examples of that. But I want to know, so how did you come across sophrology? I mean, you basically dedicated your life to it. You're one of the, probably of the evangelists in the English speaking world. And also, <laughs> you know, with your best-selling book, you're definitely an authority on the topic. What got you to sophrology in the first place? So um, it was really um, a journey of my own personal journey. So when I was 15, I was living in Switzerland. I was very, um, you know, I loved basketball and my whole life was revolving around playing basketball and doing competition whilst I was at school as well. And uh, suddenly my energy level really dropped and I started to feel very tired. And I had episode where I was simply fainting. So for no reason, I was just gone, you know. And um, I also had like infections in my body that wouldn't really clear. And my whole mood was getting really low in a way. So I went to my GP, of course. They did all sorts of tests. They gave me things for blood pressure. They, they tried all sorts of things to help me. 
but nothing really worked. And um, then my, my family doctor said, have you tried sophrology? And I had no idea what it was. It was already very well known in Switzerland and used in schools. And I said, I'm going to give it a try because yeah, I was so eager to... And I was 15, so imagine when you, I'm not from a family of therapists, you know, it was not really in, in the culture of my family to go for therapy, yeah, but I, I gave it a try. And I met this amazing sophrologist that became my mentor for the next 20 years. And she listened to how I felt and explained the mind-body connection to me and how sometimes when we don't feel at ease in our life or we don't feel happy or we we are very sensitive like I am, we can lose our balance. And then psychologically, I was still very much in control of the situation. But I think it's my body who was just telling me, hey, there's something you have to understand here. There's something you have to solve. So I started to practice sophrology. And within five sessions, like one session a week, and then practicing at home, she gave me a tape. You know, it was those times where you had <laughs> a tape <laughs> recorder. And she gave me this tape and said, go home and listen to that tape every lunchtime when you get home and do the exercises. And I did. And very rapidly, something clicked. Something changed into my uh, energy level. I no longer fainted. My energy and my infection just cleared. And uh, I was back to normal, but I was even more than, than feeling good. I was suddenly aware that if I tune within that part of myself that I had never been, like I had n never listened to my breath, I had never listened to my body in that way or sensations in that way i had never used visualization to empower myself that suddenly if i use these tools i had access to a place inside me where everything could become possible so it gave me like a, a massive hope and i suddenly realized that i was struggling with being a student at the time i didn't like my teachers i wasn't very happy being a 15 year old and I, all I wanted is to move forward in my life and study something that was interesting to me. And um, I wanted more freedom. I wanted to explore the world and I felt pretty trapped in this little town. And I think as a 15 year old, of course, you have expectations around you, um, which all came from a good place, I suppose. But, you know, I think you, you have to start to decide what you want to carry on and cultivate or what you you ready to let go and that that was my first step into self-development and um, it really opened up a new a new space inside me and I felt so so empowered so then I continued to the the 12 levels of sophrology and I, I was only 20 when I did the 12 level because I was so young my sophrologist was keeping me uh, not too excited to go to the next level because actually there's, <laughs> yeah. there's no point to actually rush into the process because you don't even need to do 12 levels. And then I became an osteopath. Then uh, I, I always thought sophology can't be a career. Yeah, it's a hobby, it's a self-development, but uh, 
I, I said I need to go to university. I need to a real <laughs> job. Like they tell all of us, you need a real job. Exactly. Yeah. I'm passionate about this. No, get, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. But my sophologist always told me, I think you would do a, a good sophologist one day. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's how it all started. 12 levels, um, what's the difference between them? Is it different practices? Let me actually just bring it to, to, to the understanding of our listeners first. So when I watch someone who is teaching a sophrology practice, it's a bit of yoga. There is movement in it, right? It's a bit of meditation. As you said, there is visualization and there is focusing on your breath and so on. I sense that there is maybe a bit of association with the chakras, you put your hands on certain parts of your bodies, or, you know, it doesn't have to be chakras, but some kind of an energy healing in a way. Describe a practice to us. Like I'm, you know, working really hard recently. And even though I'm chill, I'm so chill. I don't understand what's wrong with my brain. I mean, I really work hard, but I'm constantly like smiling and easygoing and, you know, like technology challenged us at the beginning and I was, you know, very cool with it. Remaining calm, yeah? Yeah, but but let's say, let's say I actually need to relax more. I need my body to rest more. Is there a practice for that? Yes, of course. I think, first of all, we, we all have everything inside us. So that's the tool that sophology gives it's a way to connect with a part of yourself that is able to remain calm whatever happens around you that is able to feel more confident at time that so the practice practically i think you you've described it very well and i think we start with the body so level one is all about becoming more aware of the body because you know as i was an osteopath i'm very used to people telling me about the aches and pains and I think you would agree with me that most people listen to their body when something goes wrong in the body, yeah? Like when they have a back pain or when their neck is stuck or when they have ache in their stomach. But actually this awareness we have of the body itself is the gateway to consciousness. This is our instrument for life. So the first level of sophology teaches you to relax. So you close your eyes and you start to do a body scan and connect to these five systems that are inspired from chakra. So it's the five zones of the body, we call them. So one is the head and face, the other one shoulder, arms, etc. And you, you learn to connect to that under the, the guidance of a voice. Yeah. So your sophologist or a recording will guide you through this relaxation. You're going to reach the alpha brainwave state quite rapidly because you're invited to relax through this initial body scan, which actually can be done standing because, you know, a lot of people find it very difficult to calm down and to relax. Yeah. So you don't necessarily need to sit down to relax. You could start lying or standing. It doesn't matter. You have to find a way that works for you. And then usually we have, um, we learn to listen to the body and to locate tension. So most people have a lot of tension in the neck and shoulder area. So then we would offer an exercise that involves a little bit of movement with eyes closed, using your breath as well, and start to use that activation to release a tension, an emotion, something you feel stuck with. And then we will help people to start to use the other aspect of body awareness is that what can you feel in your body that's either 
neutral or pleasant yeah so the the warmth in your body or the tingling sensation because you've been activating with the breath or perhaps an area that's really light or very relaxed or very heavy and then we will work with that to help the person to get to a, a kind of nice balanced state and then depending on which level you work at or which intention you work with you will then activate consciousness into a specific way in level one with movement so you will probably stand and try to do different very simple move that you can do at your desk and you don't need a mat you don't need to change and you're just practicing those very little pumping the shoulders doing a rotation with your spine walking on the spot whilst you hold your breath and then and then releasing and then what you do with that is that it's not like um, you're not trying to exercise your body by doing that you are learning to create a sensation in your body through your own movement and then become the neutral observer of these sensations for example if you pump your shoulders after a while you'll feel oh your my muscle get warm my heart gets pumps a little bit and that's the first step to be the observer as someone who meditates because meditating is being the neutral observer of what's going on right now yeah and uh, lots of people struggle with that because they say but what shall i observe or where am i yes so at least you you've got something to start with and by repeating those exercises you're going to start to develop a new connection with your body your body will be much more present in your consciousness so as you go through your life your daily life you might start to notice that your shoulder are hunched like this when you are at your computer or that when you talk to your boss you have tension in your tummy or you or when you you are in a difficult situation you hold tension in your body and then you can use those exercises as well to release the tension so it will start to ground you and to make you more um stable in a way and and put the first piece of the puzzle to access that part of your consciousness that can be grounded in your body let me stop here for a minute because this whole idea of body awareness i have to say is something most people are really really bad at so to be connected to that incredible rolls royce you were given to navigate this physical world most of us treat it really badly i think most of us treat our bodies like a a 4x4 in the middle of the desert like we just bash it across things and and nobody really ever connects deliberately to it what you're describing is a practice right it's something i'm assuming you can do for a few minutes a day you know maybe 10 15 minutes or whatever is there something that sophrology will teach us to make that a reality like you know not just for those 15 minutes but actually consistently be connected to that part of us yeah it's only repetition because as you know our brain can rewire we know that now from science and as soon as you repeat something on a daily basis even if it's 5 minutes you will start to create that connection and that's only the beginning of the journey and uh, and but but throughout the journey what makes the change is repetition and that's the only in a way difficult thing like everything else if you want to play the piano you have to repeat those time playing the piano and if you want to learn to meditate you'll have to repeat it 
But I think the beauty of sophology is that the moves are super simple. It can be done anywhere. There's an element of relaxation compared to meditation. So most people are spending their life in overdrive. Their body is full of adrenaline. And suddenly they want to sit down at the end of the day and meditate. But honestly, I mean, is that even possible when your, your body is full of adrenaline and you suddenly ask to sit down and do this meditation? So a lot of people can benefit from meditation and I, I love meditation and I, we also meditate, but I think there needs to be a step in between to invite more people into this infinite possibilities of consciousness because of the it's really interesting because the the way we live these days we no longer living the life that when people when came up with meditation were yeah i suppose they had a much quieter life connected to nature but now we we have all these tension we have all these digital things happening to us we have all this information coming at us and we have to find a way to reconnect first before we can even start to meditate so this is really interesting for me because it's a very present example in my life as i said i, I mean i normally do quite a few things every single day and i love it i have that i don't know why i have infinite energy really but 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 recently because of the work of my startup which is really prominent and doing very very well it is taking me into slightly longer hours right so my meditation which normally was in the morning you now i start early now so i sometimes you know miss my meditation in the morning when i do that it's actually really difficult to meditate at night once i finished work so if I finish at 8 p.m., say, I truly, like you just said, I truly need several hours before I actually get to that state where I'm now relaxed enough to sit and spend 10, 20 minutes in a meditative state. And so, so you're saying sophrology can be that bridge between them? Is there like a practice I can do after work that would get me to relax quicker? Yes. Oh, yes. Because, you know, we know breathing techniques are very easy to relax the brain and, and balance the nervous system so you know yogis do that you know they know how to use the breath so sophology for example takes that element of relaxing through the breath into the practice first to put you in this positive disposition yeah and i think sophology yes it has a meditative element where we suspend judgment and we stay present to what manifests in the body, in the mind, or beyond body and mind. But then it really is a way to conquer other dimension of consciousness. Because, for example, in level two, uh, we start to work with the mind. And I think in meditation, often we want to calm the mind and we want to let the mind go a little bit so in sophology we learn that but we also learn that at time we need our mind to be super creative super productive and we need to actually celebrate the amazing resource that is the mind and i think at different time of life and at different time of your day 
you need different things. And um, for example, you can use a visualization to prepare yourself for an important event, or you could use a way to let go and gain perspective on a problem you have and, and say, okay, I'm going to try to put that problem to the side through a movement, through a breathing exercise or visualization exercise and experience that actually you can feel more in control of your mind. And step by step, because you repeat that, then you start to understand what this means to let go of the mind. Um, because you've been shown all the different aspects of your own mind through experience of this practice. And then you can then start to meditate because you you know yourself a bit better in in the aspect that you know very well how to focus. So why not use focus first to explore that, the mind and then jump on other stuff when you feel more confident about your mind and you, you know what to do with it, yeah? Or how it feels, yeah? yeah? I, ha I have to say this is... Uh... This is spot on for me, even though, as you can imagine, most of my happiness work, a lot of my listeners and audience and, and readers and so on are very, very religious meditators, or at least, you know, they really believe in it. And I often say, and I stopped saying that for a while because people wouldn't sort of like, like it, but I, I actually say the point is not to stop the mind at all. Yes. In meditation, if you're unable to take charge of your mind, to direct it properly, then meditation is a practice to give you the capability to do that. But you're not supposed to stop it. You're just supposed to direct it differently. And, you know, I, I basically say th there is nothing wrong with thoughts. There is a lot wrong with negativity. So, you know, if, if you can manage to think positive thoughts, go 200 miles an hour, let it go full productivity. And it's interesting that sophrology will also look at both sides. You're supposed to train it so you get control of it, but then you're supposed to use it for productivity. You're supposed to use it for creativity. You're supposed to use it for reflection and so on. I love that. I think that's very, uh, you know, I, I, I can understand that. Yeah, and I think you're right. I think the aspect of positivity, which is a word that sometimes can be misunderstood, it, positivity in sophrology is not being positive at all price and ignoring when things get difficult or when you have a difficult emotion. It's first to acknowledge how you feel and accept it and, and, and work with it. But then it's also the whole work of sophrology, it's almost like it shifts your consciousness to a happier state because of the work of Caicedo who was working with people who had illness or mental illness. He, he knew very well what a dysfunctioning consciousness looks like. And by studying with yogis and with people who practice meditation, he has observed how consciousness looks like when it's very integrated, when body, mind, soul works together and um, when the person is centered and i think the whole aim of sophology is to bring more towards that balance and because you're more towards that balance with the practice you naturally notice you become more positive and you start to see the beauty in certain experience and find meaning and it, it's just a process that happens naturally because of the way the practice is designed, encouraging you to listen to positive sensation in your body, to visualize a positive image in your mind. After a while, it becomes a way of life. It becomes a way of thinking. 
And uh, that's what is so empowering in the method. Would it be fair to say that sophrology to meditation is like what Pilates is to yoga? It's like a, a new and improved method that fits more with our lifestyle. Is that what it is? I don't think we can talk about improved because I think, you know, I have high respect for the ancient meditation practice because we just emerged from that. I think that sophology brings an, another aspect of what human consciousness is able to realize or to explore. And I think it's, um, it's a journey that is so worth doing and is not, it is complementary to meditation and is complementary to analyzing your life at time and is complementary to moving outside and, and getting fresh air and eating as well as you can. And yeah, I think we need different things at different times of our lives. And I think, yeah, for different purposes. Yeah, exactly. And I think. People have to be aware that topology is, is a super useful modality. And I think it can fit very well with young people as well. And I think we also speak a lot about value. Yeah. So in level four, once we found that stronger center within us and we're able to direct it more, then sophology asks the question, what do you want to use that for? And I love that because these days, Knowing who you are and knowing your purpose as an adolescent or as a young adult or even as, as a mom like me or anybody, there's so many information out there about how you should look, how you should behave, as what you should do with your life. But I think it's very important to have a tool to help you find your own way and what really makes sense in your heart what you're attracted to, what you're good at, what are these potential you have inside you and, and what, how do you want to direct them in your own way with your own freedom? And I think sophology gives you that tool. And uh, that's where I'm, I'm super enthusiastic about that because I think in the years to come, helping young people with that aspect can be really life-changing for mental health, you know, because I... I really think there's a, a lack of direction for young people these days, yeah, or to help them, you know, flourish in the way they only know, yeah. I think the next generation knows what it has to do, like every generation, but it's hard to come to that realization on a personal level because there's so much information around and you can get completely lost and totally overwhelmed, yeah. So if level four is values and purpose, I'm now really curious what level 12 would be. <laughs> All right, at least the other, the other levels, I mean, of the remaining levels, which are your favorites? Yeah, I think, you know, level five, for example, is about discovering the element of energy. Yeah, because, you know, we're, we're also made of energy. So how can you connect to that part of you that is also energy by your own awareness listening to your body is there is there something you can feel inside these systems that you're used so used to connect with through the first four levels that suddenly you can open your awareness a little bit more and by using the sound of your voice and connecting the sound of your voice with the awareness of the body is there something that can emerge from that and that you can discover. Again, it's a phenomenological process. There's nothing you have to feel or that the sophologist will guide you to feel. It's going to 
guide you into a practice and feeling energy is different for everybody and some people don't feel it and that's also part of the journey it's repeating that opportunity to connect in that way and suddenly something just opens up along the way and we become suddenly more sensitive to the energy of music or to open up to the energy of a place when we or the energy of nature and that's how we start to realize oh okay there, there is perhaps an an energy that I can feel in this world or connect with. And then the next parts are more philosophical into going into the depths of that energy. So this energy of consciousness, where does it come from? How has it been lived through my, my own body and my own mind through my life and also through my life intra-utural? So we have meditation where we, we listen to almost the body memory or places inside us that maybe we, we've never contacted before because we've just not had the intention to and see what can emerge from that. And then uh, the last four level is really about once you've done that journey deep, deep, deep inside you, how can you use everything you've learned to be connected to the world around you and reopen with that new updated version of yourself how can you then connect with the world around you, people around you, objects around you? So we even have a walking meditation where we then open the eyes in this very calm state and we look at the world like if it's the first time. And we, But it's very practical and can be done in 15 minutes. So it sounds very philosophical, but actually, you know, you can look at someone in your daily life through very different eyes, yeah? And if you're very calm, very centered, and you open your eyes and you see your wife or your husband, I'm sure you're going to see something very different than when you are perhaps in the middle of doing your bank account and he comes and asks you something, you're just going to turn and not yeah. pay attention. Yeah. Totally agree. If I remember my wonderful, yeah. <laughs> my wonderful ex Nibel, whenever she managed to raise her head from raising the kids, she would notice I was a little fatter, and you know that she would see, <laughs> she would see something new every time. But it's true, actually. When I spoke to Jason Silva here on Slow Mo, and his philosophy is a lot more about the the power or the magic of awe. You know, the idea that you see something for the first time, and and how our minds become so numb if you want. And and, you know, they just filter everything. They filter what is in itself. I mean, think of it this way. Every conversation I've ever had in my life is an incredibly new conversation. If you can treat them that way, there is something new in every one of them. It is quite detailed, though. This is very, very comprehensive. It's almost a way of life. It's not, you know, like a medical practice or a psychiatry practice. It's really almost rebuilding the way we engage with ourselves and with our life. Completely. Yes. And I think not to scare people who are listening and might think, okay, that's too deep for me. I think you have to understand that the first level of psychology can be all you need to thrive in this world, to manage your stress, to lower your anxiety, to sleep better, to have a more positive outlook on life. And if you, you just do level one, those exercise standing, moving your body, connecting to your body, you're just going to already see a, a massive change in the way you deal with your daily life. And then people who are interested in doing the deeper journey like I did, 
then, you know, that's a bit like practicing yoga for a little while and then letting it go and having those basic tools or being a yogi your entire life and digging deep into the yoga practice. And that's, that's I think, here when we... We talk about the 12 level, we talk about the deeper level of what this practice can bring, yeah? So um, I think we've managed to pique everyone's interest in the topic. Let's talk about your book for a minute. So you come to a world, the English-speaking world was not aware of this, and then the life-changing power of sophrology is a bestseller. Yes, yes. Tell me about that journey. Why did you decide to write it? When did you write it? What happened? What made it a bestseller? Why are people catching up with this now? Yeah, I think uh, I had created my practice like 10 years ago, coming to London 10 years ago. So I had sold my osteopathic practice in Switzerland and decided I needed a more exciting life. So I convinced my husband it was a good idea to come to London because I had studied osteopathy here when I was younger. So I always was always in love with London and this amazing city. And I just wanted to give myself that gift of, of living here. Yeah. And when I arrived, I realized I no longer really want to be an osteopath. I, I want to practice sophrology because it had helped me for so many years. And I had been a sophrologist already in Switzerland and I, I was so passionate. And I realized nobody knew about that. There was only perhaps a few sophrologists in London and the community was very small. And so I started my practice in central London, had a good clientele for a few years and did some corporate work and um, started to spread sophrology in my circle. And then I had my child, Elliot, and uh, for that time I decided to retire for like a year or some or like six months, I said, I just need to have that time for me. And uh, I think when Elliot was three months, I was actually breastfeeding and I was so proud of me that I managed to let go of my work and dedicate myself for a while to be a mother. Um, then uh, this email came through, uh, was from a publisher from Yellow Kite. And they said, have you, have you already thought about writing a book on sophrology? Because we've seen your blog and we think it's the next upcoming method that everybody should know about. And I, I didn't think I had really realized what I had put myself into. I went to that meeting I and mean, I was more worried about breastfeeding and how I'm going to get through my day as a young mom than thinking about writing a book. But I seemed so convinced <laughs> that I should do it <laughs> that I told myself, okay, maybe I think I have to think twice, yeah, because they, there is a need. Uh, and unless nobody writes that first book, nothing will ever start. And we need some articles. We need people talk about this. So here I was, you know, I, I used my first um, year of being with Elliot at home. I was, I had, a, I mean, I still have a wonderful nanny that was helping me. So I was a able to write and be a mom. And it was quite a natural thing because, you know, I think sophology is so part of my DNA now that I just, I just wrote. And, um, and that's it. And then the book came out and then I thought very naively, yeah, now I have a book so I can relax. I've done my job. And that's <laughs> how the whole thing started. Yeah. yeah. I was very naive. So uh, then all these opportunities started to come. And yeah, so I had to use a lot of my own knowledge of sophology to deal to with, relax. you know, suddenly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the world 
starting to be interested in that. And we had so much press and so much thing happening around the book. It was really a, a wonderful time. And I think it, it clarified even more my purpose and that, you know, maybe I, I was that person that needs to bring sophology in English language and I need to somehow be this uh, ambassador for it and to, to spread it. Yeah. And uh, that's how my online platform came to mind and how we're now developing more and more online stuff so that, that more people can practice it worldwide because I had requests from, from a lot of corners of the world where sophology doesn't exist. Yeah. So they, they want to know more. They want to practice. So, um, yeah. So that's what I'm doing now. You know, I'm, I'm so. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it amazing when you think about it that you, follow your passion and you say, I don't want to be this. My passion is sophrology. I'm going to do a practice around it. And life itself comes to you. You know, like most people would write a book and look for a publisher for a hundred years and never find one. I thought. <laughs> yeah. And for you, just by following your passion, I think this is a very big message for everyone. If you follow your passion somehow and you do it well, you study the entire 12 levels when you're 15, 16, 17 and so on, and you really, really dedicate your life to it. I think what ends up happening is life goes like, okay, you seem to be qualified to carry more responsibilities here. So there you go. Go ahead and write a book. Go ahead and start online. It's amazing. And I agree. And I think that illustrates exactly what I try to explain to people when they practice sophology is that if you do the inner job, the outer job and the outer world will create itself. I think if you do that inner job, knowing who you are, knowing what your passion are, building your confidence, and it's not going to be easy. I mean, it's not been an easy journey for sure, but it's been, you know, the opportunities have come when I was actually ready to embrace them. And uh, I did a lot of learning as well along the way, believe me. But I think you're right. I think this is a massive message. And I think it's for everything in life. Sometimes you have to believe you can attract things to you rather than exhaust yourself at trying to chase them. And although I'm a very hard worker and I'm passionate about what I do and I have big ambitions for sophology, you know, I'm also aware that if I want to maintain my balance and my family and my sanity, <laughs> you know, I have to trust that something else is helping me along the way, yeah, that I'm not alone doing this, yeah, I have yeah. to trust that and, and just carry on, even sometimes it looks a little bit daunting, uh, I just uh, try to trust and carry on, yeah. Oh man, I think that's a fabulous way to leave people thinking here. I mean, in reality, I do tend to believe that every big thing that ever happened in my life or in anyone's life was not up to my capabilities. It was when my capability aligned with what life actually needs, and then life really brings its resources along and helps you get to where you where you are supposed to be, where you're needed, if you want. The only thing you have to do is to build that inner self, is to really be qualified to take the responsibility forward when it comes. I think that's really the work that we, uh, we need to work on. And I, I think the other good example in this conversation about this is how my extreme passion for curiosity and learning got me to ask you about it when we met in London. And now there we are, we're chatting about it and telling thousands of people about it. And I think that's, 
exactly what life is about. It's like, okay, you know what? Just be passionate about that thing and we will get you more and more amazing people to enlighten you. I'm so grateful for the conversation, Dominique. This was wonderful. It was really, really wonderful. And I'm, Thank you. I'm very grateful for your time. Thank you. Yeah, and I, I would encourage everyone listening to really dig deeper, look for Dominique online or in the in the show notes. I uh, will have all, all the links to her work. Look at the book and uh, maybe explore sophrology a little more. I definitely intend to. I need it. And I think it's uh, another yeah, element. Yeah, I'm happy to guide you. Oh, man. You I just have... call me. I'll give you a session. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> I'm with the expert right here. And uh, thank you once again, Dominique. This was wonderful. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mo. It was a real honor to be here. And thank you for listening and supporting me. It's great. Thank you. You live, you learn, right? This is a topic I knew nothing about. Seems to be very popular for a lot of people. I hope we've piqued your attention and curiosity to maybe go out and search a little bit and uh, maybe learn a little bit about sophrology. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation. If you did, please continue to spread the word. Uh, we want to get to as many people as possible. Rating the podcast while you're at it now on your Apple podcast player is really valuable. So please do that and, uh, you know, tell your friends and spread it on social media. Also find me on social media if you'd like me to look for specific topics or recommend specific guests. And uh, I'm really, really grateful for all the support that I've been receiving, all of the kind comments, all of the shares that I get tagged on on social media. It's been a wonderful journey and I hope it's been valuable for you as well. I'm Mo underscore Gaudet on Instagram. That's where I'm most active, but also I'm Gaudet on Twitter, mo.gaudet.official on Facebook and Mo Gaudet on LinkedIn. And uh, with that, I leave you to tackle our busier and busier life as we all go out of lockdowns and things start to go back a little bit similar to normal. So with that, I want to remind you that regardless of how much you have to do today, how much busy you are, please remember to find a little bit of time to slow down. I love you all for listening and I will hopefully see you next time.